0: From the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 21. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in israel to fall and many others to rise he has been sent as a sign from god but many will oppose him as a result the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul anna A prophet was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up, healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favour was on him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Well, we come to the Presentation of Christ in the Temple, Candle Mass, the end of our Epiphany series, looking at encounters uh, with Jesus, encounters with the King, and so I want to focus on the the two people who, in the Temple, encountered the baby Jesus and recognised him as King. Is it possible to take this down a little bit lower? I'm sorry to to do that, but if it's um. It's just distracting me, I feel like I'm extremely loud. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for this day. Gathered in your presence, we ask that you would renew our hearts and our lives, looking back and knowing what you have promised and what we have seen looking forward in hope to what you will bring to perfection. Open to your grace this day as your kingdom comes. Stir our hearts and receive our lives afresh. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here are some scriptures that um, frame what I wanted to, to share this morning. Hebrews 11, verse one. "Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not yet see." Romans 13:11. I should get this recorded on my phone as an alarm, actually. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I am joking, I don't want that as my wake up. But it's, uh, there we go. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And the psalmist, verse 13 of Psalm 27, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living those might be familiar um, scriptures. Those might sound very comforting. What I love in our reading today is that we meet two people, Simeon and Anna, two of God's particular friends, we might say, making cameo appearances in the life of Jesus. And somehow they embody for us, and I hope will encourage each of us today, in they embody this life of faith and hope, and openness, and pursuit of God. So let's look at Simeon first. We've set the scene. I'm afraid I, I would like to preach a whole sermon on, on the first verse. He was named Jesus. That would do for a whole sermon series, in my opinion. But I'm going to hurry through what we know, which is the detail here of, um, of Mary and Joseph, first of all, having circumcised Jesus, and then taking after the, um, the period of purification and waiting, going to Jerusalem to redeem, to offer a sacrifice for their firstborn son. What I want us to focus on are these encounters with Simeon and with Anna. So Simeon, we don't know um, very much about him, do we? We only know, I'm assuming you only know, you haven't got the advantage of me over me, um, what's written here when it comes to Simeon. That he was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The The few details we have are given to indicate the key things about him the things that really matter perhaps two things i want to look at first is how he has positioned his heart in hope and faith we've read haven't we about righteousness and devotion and waiting expectantly for the messiah living a life in the company and under the the covering and anointing of God's Spirit, God's very presence. He's positioned his heart and his life in hope and faith. One of the main things that I'm acknowledging today, I think, um, is that our our posture and our circumstances change constantly. Um, And by posture, I suppose I mean that in both a physical sense and um, through the course of life. I remember doing an assembly about Simeon and inviting somebody to come and we would do a dramatic reading. And this this boy, I still know actually, he's some way through secondary school now and he's hilarious. But he came up, volunteered very eagerly to be Simeon. No idea who Simeon is. And so he stood ready to be Simeon next to me. And, And then I said, Simeon was a very old man, at which point he immediately kind of... He, he, he bent and assumed this tottering kind of walk and began to take all attention from my storytelling as he tottered about with this wonderful kind of, uh, kind of uh, stoop and, and, and stick, mime stick, absolutely brilliant. And, um, but it makes my point about posture and circumstances changing, perhaps for many of us gradually, over time, we notice those changes, sometimes dramatically and even tragically, sometimes surprisingly and rather wonderfully, but, but life's circumstances and our own posture within it can change in every season. But the question in all of those seasons may not be one of physical posture or of our circumstances, but how we are positioning ourselves towards God's faithfulness which really, I suppose, is a matter of what I choose to believe about him in light of, sometimes despite, circumstances. And Simeon knows what he's hoping for. The rescue, the coming of the Messiah, the work of God, fulfilling his promise to Israel that they might be a light to the nations. Simeon knows what he's hoping for. What are you hoping for? That's a question to take away with us. If Simeon were here among us and um, having a coffee and a biscuit after the service, I might be tempted to go up to him. Perhaps you would too, and say, "I wish I, I wish I had your hope, your faith." And I think he'd reply. Brushing some crumbs off his beard, you can, because it it really is a freedom each of us has, each one of us. And we're told more about him in our scripture, not just what he's eagerly expecting. That might be, you know, a, a good um, creedal belief and uh, a, a well-affirmed faith, um, a conviction of mind, um, but. Not just what he's expecting, but what he did. Because that's the other part of Simeon's faith. There is this this knowledge, this choice to what he's believing about God's faithfulness. The other part of Simeon's faith, because it's not just a state of mind, is action. Faith always demands choosing to trust something, and it always demands action. That's what it is by nature, I think. So this action in the moment, this is what we see in this wonderful cameo. It isn't just the positioning of his heart and his mind and hope and expectancy, but there's a pursuit of that as well. The chase, if you like. Listening to the Spirit, getting up that day and hearing what was for that day, getting to the rendezvous. Faith is what we believe in light of God's promise, but faith is also the action in light of what we believe. Faith is this treasure hunt. We believe that God is at work. We go and find it. So Simeon discovers what he has longed for. And we have this beautiful hymn of praise, this much-spoken, the nunc dimittis, now let your servant depart in peace. As he closes his eyes in surrender to the faithfulness of God, and receives the answer to what he has hoped for. What he has hoped to see with his own eyes in this life. And it's further promise of fulfillment yet to come. But for himself he's able to say, I have seen your salvation. Prepared for all people. A light for the nations. The glory of Israel. It's a beautiful moment, isn't it? And that little phrase in verse 30, I have seen your salvation. To me it speaks of something that he had seen years before, but hadn't held, he hadn't seen its fulfillment in the way that he could in the temple that day. And see the extraordinary grace of God with us, of Jesus But he had seen it and he knew what he was longing for. He saw it in his arms. He saw, he held this baby. On that day there was something of the moment and of the present and of welcoming God. And he can speak, I have seen your salvation. It's a complete sentence. I mean, not a complete sentence. Of course it's a complete sentence. But it's a statement that's completely definitive. I have seen it. And yet there is more to come. This light will now blaze for the nations. Jesus will grow, will die, and will live for our salvation. But he can say it in this moment, in a breath. I have seen your salvation, past, present, future. This is God's grace for us. This is faith. This is hope. So what does it look like for you and for me to pursue the things that we long to see of God's reign, of God's coming, of God's love and grace at work in the world? Simeon got there to the rendezvous. What does that look like on a given day of the week? What does our faith look like in action, in going to the place where God will be and we will encounter the king And his kingdom, I wonder. And what does it look like for us to dream again? To hold this this vision, this hope, I'm using all those words interchangeably, dream, vision, hope, but holding this, what aspect of the coming kingdom and its breaking in are you stirred by? gripped by, what promise and hope from God himself will you give space to govern your days, your dream, your hope? What might it look like to hope again? Not just for a week, for a year, for this stage of our life, but this big story of what God is now working out in the world and will bring to completion. What has he placed in you? Simeon had this grace, this hope, and it was nourished by the presence of God's Holy Spirit day on day. What has he placed in you to carry you all the way to this, the, the, this moment, these moments of fulfillment, of encounter? When you breathe in and you breathe out and and can say for yourself, I am seeing it with my own eyes. I can, I've seen what you've promised. This is God. This is Simeon's gift to us, his lesson for us as we move on into 2020. So thank you, Simeon, for teaching us to hope. I want to think about Anna. As well. You ready to think about Anna? It's good. Second half of the sermon, making good progress. So, as we meet Anna, I feel as though it's, it's as if the Holy Spirit reaches across to pluck out that little dart in our minds that says, Yes, but not me. Get real. In someone else's life, in some wonderful bubble in time and space, that kind of faith, that kind of single and singular pursuit, you know, that might exist, that might be possible in a monastery on a rock, in an orphanage on the mission field the other side of the world. But my life, is as it is. We collide, I think, very quickly with the limitation, the reality of our own circumstances. My life is as it is. And that's true. Part of that may be that it's been challenging in particular ways. And of course, everybody else's as well. Or painful or difficult. Or it might feel complicated or that simply got derailed years ago or just became very still, very routine. So it's all very well to believe in this kind of hope-filled fairy tale faith. But this is the real world with its disappointments, but this is where Anna is such a Such a gift to us. Anna's story. We've ever been let down in life. What's Anna's story? Well, I got married when I was a girl, she says, but then he died seven years in to our married life. So then there was nothing. I never remarried never got to remarry. So I was a widow, in my 20s and dependent all these years, these 60 years. Haven't really had any kind of security or life, but I have had God. All these years I've had God, always. Anna's like you and me and people we know, isn't she? And she's a God, God. God calls Anna beautiful. Where does it say that? I'm just, gonna, I'm just saying it. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains at the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. She is beautiful. Well, her feet are anyway. Maybe to be very, <laughs> but like Simeon, Anna is doing two really simple things. Um, perhaps they're simply the reflex of someone, um, the kind of person we know, the kind of people I'm looking at, who have inhabited their faith for years and spent day after day in the presence of the Lord, with a heart soft towards Him and in emboldened by his love and his promises that's grace beginning and end isn't it because we can't drum or sustain that can't drum it up and, and keep it going but she has gone to God and God's gift and God's work has been to tend her heart and make her brave and she sees first thing what God is doing now it sounds really simple But for her, and just like for Simeon, the strangeness of this scene, it must have been strange, surely, to recognize in the crowds how many babies in and out, how many ceremonies redeeming firstborn sons and other things in the courts of the temple, how many people, it's so strange That in the midst of that, both Simeon and Anna recognize that baby there. That baby is the Messiah. It's a strange revelation. Is the Savior, the Messiah, really this baby? A child with very obviously poor parents. Or maybe they bought the turtle doves. I don't know. Quite unlike the coming of the Lord that she might have imagined. Had she been nourished on those scriptures? You know, the the coming on the clouds, the the son of but somehow she knows she saw and she knew she like Simeon was alive to the holy spirit close enough to god this is the beautiful thing about pursuing god it's it's walking closely with god means you can follow that <laughs> follow his gaze close enough to god so he could smile and nod or whisper and say, yes, there, do you see? It so, must have been so easy to miss. It would have been what God was doing because it didn't fit a paradigm, didn't fit what we might expect it to look like. A very ordinary couple with a little boy. Jesus said years later, we can easily miss what God is doing because it doesn't fit what we look like. Challenging verses in Matthew 11, 16 to 19, he says, to what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. And then he challenges us. John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking. They say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nothing fits the paradigm, does it? They're not happy. They won't see what God is doing. But Anna, there's this grace. And I think it's a gift for us as well. It's on, on offer to each of us to see what God is doing. We get there by being with him. And... Beautiful Anna, telling the good news, bringing good news. She sees what God is doing and secondly, she speaks it out. She tells others the news. In her love, she holds up salvation for the people around her to see. She perceives this now thing that God is doing. That's a challenge. And she announces it as well. As a, a new thing that God is doing, this fulfillment. So, Simeon and Anna are a wonderful example to us of faith as a daily pursuit, walking, responding to the very presence of God but also faith is a very long game, if you don't mind the phrase, this lifelong faithfulness of watching, trusting, inhabiting the presence of God, both and, it's it's for today and it's for the whole of our lives. And what will it look like for us to store up hope and to keep hope on the inside, and to pursue God each day. Matthew 25 has Jesus hiding in extraordinary places for people to find and love. Matthew 28 has us carrying Jesus to the ends of the earth for people to see and recognize him for themselves, The invitation to us is to join in, to trust him, to be gripped by his promises, the risk, the things that we do not yet see, and to follow him. And the invitation is to be people who can say, I am have seen your salvation. And by that I don't mean waiting for that moment like Simeon's, but actually that's something that we can inhabit each day. It's a cultivating the hope that we have. I've seen your salvation. What was it that God showed you perhaps years ago that convinced you to trust him? You saw salvation, didn't you? Did you? Yeah? No? You're looking really thoughtful, which is good. I've seen your salvation. I know why I trust you. And then there's this daily getting out from under the duvet opportunity to go and see God's salvation working its way. In grace and power into the world, into lives around you, into your own heart. And healing and renewal. I've seen your salvation. That frames the day ahead. And of course this hope that there is more, these moments that you couldn't make up like Simeon and Anna where we walking into the very presence of God and seeing yet more, seeing his salvation and realizing the fullness, the magnitude, the beauty of what will come as he returns to make all things new. Shall we pray? Loving God, may we receive from you what you alone can give. That revelation of the Messiah, the Savior, wonderful Jesus. And would you give us grace to pursue with open eyes and open hearts and with courage that might not seem to be our own your life and presence in the world to see you at work, to announce it, to celebrate it, to receive it with joy and share it with others. Come, Holy Spirit, surround and fill our lives as you did Simeon's and Anna's in anticipation. And now, as your family gathered, we we ask for the same. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen.